Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. Good morning. God bless you. It's good to uh, be here. I'm always appreciative and very grateful uh, for the opportunity to come and share with you. Uh, If anyone does not have a Bible, if you'd raise your hand, our ushers will uh, help you out and give you one to follow along with us today. Uh, It'll be helpful because I didn't put scriptures on a PowerPoint on the screen today. I had a busy week this week, and so... Uh, did not do that. So, um, but following along in the Word is always a always a good thing, and um, so we're grateful for this opportunity and thankful for the pastor, his heart for the church, for just allowing us to come and share with you. Uh, as we get ready to dive into Scripture, I want to uh, share a little update with you. Um, uh, one of the last times I was up here speaking. I was sharing about some of the things going on in Malawi, and as a result of that, there was such a wonderful outpouring from you in terms of prayers and gifts, and so I just wanted to update you a little bit as to what is happening. Uh, If you look at the picture on the far left, that was uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Frank Aaron's home following the uh, two cyclones and all the flooding that they had. If you look at the house on the right, that is the new home that you helped build for him. And so I I thank God you were a part of that. You helped make that happen. Next slide, please. Um, Here are the Harry children. And uh, again, along with providing food for them, um, they're all in their new school uniforms, uh, new clothing, new shoes. Um, We are, again, constantly trying to support and reach out to them and be a blessing. So again, as you have blessed us to do that. Uh, In turn, we've been able to uh, bless them. Next slide. Um, The three young ladies were uh, three. uh, Sometimes when you give, you designated that, oh, I'm giving this for the orphans or I'm giving this for, you know, the building of the house. And then sometimes some of you just hand it to me and say, whatever God puts on your heart to use it for. Well, Here's a couple of examples of whatever God put on your heart. These three older young ladies um, are all orphans, and we're all going to have to drop out of school because they didn't have the money for their school fees. And so, again, thank you because they had their school fees, their school uniforms. Uh, They're continuing this school year uh, over there in Malawi. Uh, The picture on the right, um, this grandmother uh, who's in the blue chair there, um, she's raising two grandchildren. Um, and this is pretty recent. Um, father died about two years ago. Mother died within the last few months. Uh, the baby uh, was still nursing. And the description I got from Abusa Paul, who's sitting there, uh, Paul Ketchenberry, was that the baby cries a lot because he doesn't have his mother's milk. And that just broke my heart. And uh, so again, thanks to your giving, we've sent money over. They've been buying milk for the baby, food for their family. Uh, as well. And uh, so, again, thank you for that. Uh, Next slide, please. Um, One of the other things that um, the the gentleman and his wife, that's that's Abusa Samuel. He's so sweet. Uh, I may have shared with you before the first time I went, um, he would not let me carry my Bible. 
or my, my uh, satchel that I had, he would always grab it and take it. And uh, uh, Abusa Samuel is in his mid-80s, I think, and, uh, but uh, just has such a, a loving heart. Uh, he was battling some health issues as well, and again, couldn't get medicine, couldn't get to the hospital. Again, your gift in giving made that possible. What he's holding up, what happens often, um, is they will write a letter of thanks. And they, oftentimes they have thanked LifePoint and Pastor Troy and things like that. A lot of times when they write the letter and they take the picture, you can't read the letter. <laughs> so, uh, but there are some other slides that I have uh, where you can read most of it. And again, it's just their appreciation uh, for all that we're doing. Um, one of the other things that has happened recently, and this has been within the last month, is um, actually go to the next slide and then I'll come back to this slide. Uh, I'm sorry, one more slide. Put them out of order. There we go. Um, my wife is, is brilliant. Okay? Um, and so, husbands, that was your opportunity to turn to your wife and say, you're brilliant too, hon. Okay? Come on, I can't lob them in any better than that, guys. Um, one of the ideas she had amongst all the stuff we were packing and taking was to take some seeds over uh, for them to be able to plant and grow some crops and things like that. And so that's what you see uh, happening as a result of the seeds that uh, she took over, um, that they've been growing some of their own crops and plants and things like that. Now, if you can go back two slides. As a result of that, I just got word within the last week or so from Abusa Paul that the chief in their area had said something to the government about what was going on, and because of that, they were allowed to get some government vouchers to uh, purchase things at a really, really cheap reduced price for their village. And so now they're gonna be getting uh, seed and things like that that they will be able to plant and grow more crops to, to feed their village. <clears throat> And again, that was because of word getting to them what they were already doing, what things were already going on. And, uh, and so that was, that was exciting to hear. Um, and so he was saying, uh, he, he said to me, next year, Pastor, you probably won't have to send this much money for food because we're going to have all these crops that we've grown and we'll be able to give people and stuff like that. So very exciting. Next slide. Um, I mentioned um, uh, the Harry children. And they were living with their grandmother whose house had fallen apart. This is her new home uh, that we've been able to build uh, as a, again, as a result of your gifts and giving. Uh, they're still finishing it. I don't have a finished, finished picture yet, but they're still working on it. They're going to paint it. They'll frame in the windows, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but again, that was just a blessing for them to be able to uh, now have a, a secure roof over their heads. And uh, I thank you for your, your part in that. Next slide. Uh, also part of your giving has gone towards the purchase of Bibles. Uh, when we were there, we were not able to make it over to Mozambique, but we had about 70 people over there waiting to be baptized. What we were hoping to do with all the ones that we baptized is to give them a Bible so they have the Word of God in their home. <clears throat> we weren't able to go to Mozambique and do that, but through your giving, we were able to send the money to purchase Bibles. This is a gentleman receiving his Bible from Abusa Paul, and the smaller picture is all the people who were baptized that now have their new Bibles 
uh, in their home. And so, again, just we're so grateful uh, for that, uh, to be a part of that blessing. Uh, next slide. I can't remember if that's the last one. Ah. <clears throat> Abusa Paul wrote me and he said, he wanted to thank me, he calls me father. He said, thank you, father. He said, because of the example that you and the church has been setting, our own people now are using their own resources to give clothing, plates, spoons, dishes, buckets to people worse off than themselves. <laughs> and, uh, and I was just, I, I was just blown away by that, their, their heart of saying, hey, I don't have much, but I know somebody that has even less than I have, and so I want to give. And so that's what that's a picture of them. They had a Sunday where everybody brought this stuff to the church, and then they were distributing that in the villages as well. And so, again, we're just, we're just grateful. I'm thankful to be a part of this church, part of this fellowship. I appreciate your hearts. I appreciate your love. And I appreciate your support that allows me to be able to support them. And it's all for the kingdom. And uh, that's what I love about that. So, so thank you. So I wanted to update you. There's so much going on over there uh, constantly. Um, but I had this opportunity today, and I thought this would be a good chance to kind of catch everybody up on several of the things that are going on uh, over there. So we're very, very excited about that, and we appreciate that. So thank you uh, very much for that. All right, we can go ahead to the, I think we're, that was the last of those slides, yeah. <clears throat> I saw this picture. Uh, being an art teacher, being an artist, I'm always interested in art. My, my certain art catches my eye and things like that. And I saw this picture one day on, I think I might have saw it on Pinterest or even Facebook. And the picture is entitled, First Day in Heaven. <laughs> and I thought, wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, that made sense to me. Um, and I just, I, I love it. Um, and uh, just wanted to share that with you as we tackle a very difficult question today, which is, uh, how much do you love Jesus? How much do you love him? And I've probably talked from this passage before. Um, I'm not good at tracking that stuff. I'm, more good, I'm better at just following the Holy Spirit and talking about what I'm supposed to talk about, even if it's what I talked about the last time I stood up here and talked. And so... So what I want to talk about today is the story of Peter, um, Pete, as those of us close to him like to call him, um, because his story is really interesting, and this particular episode, as it unfolds, is one that challenges us to really think about our relationship with God. So as we enter into that, let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, this morning. Father, we love you, and we thank you, and we praise you. We are so grateful for your love towards us. Uh, Lord, I don't question that at all. I don't question your love for me. Where I struggle is how I love you in return. And so, Lord, just speak a word to us today to encourage our hearts, to direct us. Lord, thank you for the love you've poured out on the people of Malawi through the people of this church. I ask you to just continue to bless them and to continue within that community to raise up those who are following after you. Lord, I thank you for this day and for this time. I thank you for 
this fellowship. I thank you for our leadership here. And Lord, I give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, when Pastor was uh, segueing a minute ago, um, he said, uh, and speaking of weapons, and I thought he was about to introduce me, but uh, uh, he, he didn't, so I'm still going to just carry that thought with me because it, it made me smile. So, um, turn Before we get into Peter's story, I mean, let me give you a, a scripture that's going to help us understand Peter's story a little bit better. Turn to Psalm 19. Verse 14, Psalm 1914. It's a familiar passage of scripture. It reads, To let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. To pray to ask God to allow the words of your mouth to be acceptable, to, to, to ask him, Lord, help me not say anything that is not going to honor you or not going to please you. I'm thinking Peter should have probably prayed that prayer prior to the crucifixion of Jesus. Because here's what happened. Um, Jesus is talking uh, with the disciples and they're, they're having the Last Supper and washing their feet and, and, and all these things are happening. And, and then this, this little exchange takes place here. Um, and I'm taking it, it's, it's interesting, all four Gospels speak of this event and then the subsequent event, but then the... the follow-up to it all, only John talks about, and that's where we're going to end uh, today. So, the first passage I want to read, and I, I really want you to just tie all this together as one conversation, okay? Uh, because what we find in the, in the scriptures is, especially in the Gospels, which are all telling the life and the story of Jesus, that, that the Holy Spirit was letting this person see this and hear that and record that, and, and so you get some little bits and pieces from each one that the other one didn't write, but if you take them in whole, you can kind of get the sense of what, what happened overall. So John, John 13, um, Jesus is talking uh, to the disciples, and he's saying what's about to happen next. And one of the things that he says is uh, that he's going to, he's, 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 he's been with them, uh, but he's about to go somewhere, and they can't go with him. And so in verse 34, it says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Um, by this all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to the other. Simon Peter says unto him, Lord, whither thou goest? Jesus answered and said, Whether I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why can't, uh, why cannot I follow thee now? I, listen, here we go. I will lay down my life for thy sake. Verse 38, Jesus answers him. And I can, 
just because I'm very visual, I can almost imagine the look on the face as he answered him. And if we were to modernize his statement, it would be, really? <laughs> really? Seriously? Okay? Jesus says to him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Hmm. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice or three times. Really? You're going to die for me? Hmm. Maybe not. Peter was confident, though, and I want you to see that confidence come out in a couple of the other recordings of this. Matthew the 26th chapter, beginning at the 31st verse. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am raised again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answers and said unto him, <laughs> Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Catch the last part of this verse, verse 35. Likewise also said all the disciples. We, we hone in on the fact that Peter said it, and we hone in on the fact because of what he's about to do shortly after this, but all the disciples jumped on the bandwagon. They were all like, no, not me. I'm not going to deny it. Even when Jesus talked about being betrayed, they all began to, who, who would do that? Who, not me. It's not going to be me. Who's going to betray? And it's really interesting because when it was said, uh, one of the passages talks about the fact that at that time, John was reclining on Jesus as he says this, and so Peter says to him, why don't you ask him? Ask him who's going to betray us. And he prompted John to ask Jesus who was going to betray them. Okay? Now, being the youngest of my siblings, that was always my job. <laughs> when they wanted something, James, you go ask. I think they thought, my parents couldn't resist the cuteness. I don't know what they thought. But I was always the one being told, well, you go ask. And so that's how Peter treated John. He knew that the relationship was close. Here's John resting on Jesus at the moment. And he goes, well, John, ask him, ask him. But folks, they said, none of us would do that to you. None of us would do that. While you're in chapter 26, look at verse 56. The people have come to arrest Jesus, and at the end of this, Jesus says, but all this was done that scriptures, uh, the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. And look at the last part of verse 56. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Okay? <laughs> A minute ago, we were all going to die with you. None of us would deny you. None of us would be offended. And they did exactly what scripture said they were going to do. The sheep scattered when the shepherd was taken. Let's look over at Mark. Chapter 14. Verse 
beginning at verse 27. If I'm moving quickly, then write those down and you can take a look at them. At verse 27 it says, And Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am, I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will, I, will not I. Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crowed twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. Watch this, verse 31. But he spake the more vehemently, if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. Luke records this. Luke records this, verse 31. It says, The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he might sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brother. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou hast thrice denied that thou knowest me. So as you hear all of that summarized, Peter tried to put a very strong case forward that he would not deny Christ. I'm sure many of us have put together and, and presented that same case. I was enjoying the atmosphere of worship today and just the, the songs and, and just how God was, you know, just moving in the midst of that. It's, uh, I, I'm often asked when I'm going to speak, is there certain things that I want to have them sing and this and that and the other? And I say, no, I'm just trusting your connection with the Holy Spirit to flow in the midst of this. And just to give you an example of that, to show you how God is moving, <clears throat> I was speaking at Central Baptist at a youth uh, conference last night, and on my way home, um, God prompted me, and so I clicked on my little iPod. And the song I was listening to, I thought, boy, I don't know. Sometimes I like to sing, and I thought, maybe, maybe I'll sing. I don't, I don't know, but I just, I, I just would love to hear this song um, during the worship time. And so the praise team is leading worship, and in the middle of the song, one of the songs they went, there is power in the name of Jesus. And I went... I was facing this way, so you couldn't see me, but I was like, really, Lord? Wow, you are that good, and you are that sweet that you would give me that this morning. And I thought, wow, that's just the move of the Holy Spirit. God is just working. So I'm enjoying this atmosphere of worship this morning, 
And I'm thinking about the fact that here, you know, I'm, I'm listening to the scriptures being read, I'm listening to what pastor is saying, I'm listening to everything that's coming forth, and I'm thinking it is so easy for us to be so declarative here. Peter, if you will, basically he's at church because it was Peter and Jesus and the disciples, they're at church. And so at church he said, I will never deny you. At church he vehemently said, I will go to prison with you. I will let them take my life before I would deny you. And folks, that is, as, as Pastor was saying, it's so easy to do it here. But what about out there? What about when you're actually faced with a challenge? <clears throat> Let me help you out, because most of us aren't going to verbally deny Christ, okay? If somebody walks up to you, do you know Jesus? We're all gonna say yes, okay? But when the enemy starts working, and we gravitate into those sin areas of our life, you know what we're doing at those moments? We're denying him. Lord, I know your truth, I know your word, I know your power, I know what I should do, but I'm gonna deny you right now. Yeah, I, I know what you said about being slow to anger and, 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 and all that, but you know what? I'm just mad right now and I need to give this person a piece of my mind and so I'm just gonna, I'll be back. Just wait right there. <laughs> but for just a moment, I'm going to deny you. Yeah, I know I shouldn't be using this or taking this or watching this or, but Lord, in my own way, I'm just going to deny you. I've denied Christ. Because Romans 3, 23 says that we've all sinned. So there have been moments where we have all denied the lordship of Christ in our life because if you weren't, you'd be doing what your Lord told you to do instead of what you wanted to do. <clears throat> so Peter spoke up very strongly. Not gonna happen, Lord. Don't worry about it. Won't happen. So here's what happened. <laughs> So they come and they arrest Jesus, and they take him to be um, tried falsely. And some conversations take peace. Peter follows. At first, he's staying away. He's just outside the door, and and then you know, uh, someone invites him to come in, and the, the the lady that was watching the door tells him he can come in. So he comes in, and at one point, he's warming himself by the fire, and all those kind of things. And so, let me give you the summary of that particular converse, those conversations that took time. Jesus said you were gonna deny me three times, okay? Three times. And so I've kind of gathered those into this conversation here. And so here's what is in scripture in terms of what gets said. What is said to Peter is, you were with Jesus of Galilee. It was pointed out, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. It was pointed out, surely you are one of them for your speech betrays you. It was also said, this is one of them. Of a truth, this fellow was also with him, for he is a Galilean. Aren't you one of this man's disciples? Didn't I see you in the garden? 
Okay? So again, all the scriptures tied together, this, this is what God said to him, giving him to reply to each of these things by saying, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know. I know not, neither, I, I know not, neither do I even understand what you're saying. I don't know of whom you speak. Woman, I, I know him not. Man, I am not one of his followers. I don't know what you're saying. And at one point, scripture in at least a couple of the gospels described that he and swear and say that I do not know the man. A minute ago, he wasn't going to deny him. He was going to die, go to prison. He insults all the other disciples. You know, well, the rest of them get offended. I could see that, but not me. And then he proceeded to deny him. The part that really gets hard is that one of the scriptures records that when he denied him, at the moment he did it, he looks up and he sees Jesus' face looking at him. He makes eye contact with Jesus. And it's described that he then goes out and weeps bitterly. Bitterly. I said I wasn't going to do that. I swore I wasn't going to do that. I said I would die first. And then I did that. Anybody besides Peter and me ever been there before? Where I, I, I won't do that. Not to my God, not, not someone who is so wonderful and so loving to me. I wouldn't do that. And then we do that. So what follows is the crucifixion of our Savior. They took him, they arrested him, they beat him. He hung there. When the debt was paid, he said, it is finished. God the Father, if you will, took a gavel in heaven and struck the gavel and said, okay, then you're guilty. And I'll pour out all my wrath on you. And it's interesting because at the moment Jesus was declared guilty, God made a provision that any of us that would believe in Jesus would be declared innocent. That we would become the righteousness of God. As he who knew no sin became, when God pronounced him guilty, he pronounced you innocent at the same time. Mm. So Jesus dies, and on the third day he rose, and that was our evidence that his, his payment of our debt was accepted by the Father. And so he rose, and he said that I was going to meet up with my disciples again, and so he does just that. So let's look at that real quickly here. John chapter 21. 
Simon Peter says unto them, verse 3, I'm going fishing. (laughs) I am just going to go fishing. And it's really interesting if you read down to verse (laughs) 7. This just cracked me up when I was reading this the other day. He's naked fishing. I've never done that. But... You know, he was probably quite stressed at the moment. It, it actually says here, let me read this to you. It says, therefore, and this is when Jesus is talking to them, have you caught anything? And he tells them to cast their net down the other side, and they caught all these fish. And it said, therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fishing coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. Isn't that a crazy way to fish? Okay. I would ask, but I really don't want to know. I just, I, I just don't want to know. So Jesus says to them, bring what you've caught. He's got some coals going on the fire. And they come, and Peter drew in this net, and it says that the net was full, but it didn't break, and it had 153 fish in it. Someday God's going to tell me what that means. It's just an interesting number. There's a lot of theories about it. I don't know what's true of it. All I know is what Scripture says is that there was 153 fish in the net. And so Jesus says, come and dine. So they came and they, they ate. It says this is the third time that Jesus had showed himself to the disciples after he was risen from the dead. So after they had dined, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, loveth thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, loveth thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. How much do you love Jesus? How much do you love him? It's interesting because what a lot of people have speculated is that because Peter denied him three times, that Jesus asked him the question three times. Hey, I can, I can go with that. I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But here's what the Lord prompted my heart as I was preparing this lesson. I want each of you to imagine every time you have sinned and denied God, I want you to imagine Jesus saying to you, do you love me? How many times has Jesus said that to you? We, we, here we get this, this record of him saying it three times to Peter, but I started looking at my own life and looking at my own sin, past and present. And I thought, wow. He's saying that to me every day, it seems like. <laughs> every day that I decide to do it my way, to operate in my own flesh, to do it under my own strength, I can hear Jesus speaking to my heart and saying, Do you love me? 
And as the, 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 the word has been studied and we look at the fact that there's a, a few Greek words that translate into love that are in the scripture uh, among the uh, Greek dialect, we have agape love, which is God's love, that unconditional, obedient action, not feeling love, okay? That's how he loves us. That's how he, when he directs us to love our enemies, that's what he's directing us to do. To in obedience, to demonstrate an action, not a feeling, to do it unconditionally, I want you to love your enemies. Because the next one, phileo, is a friendship, emotional, conditional type love. We have this connection because of our emotions and how we feel about each other, this brotherly love. God's not asking me to have feelings like that towards my enemies. He knows I can't do that. All of a sudden, I'm supposed to have this buddy-buddy sort of feeling with someone who's trying to ruin my life, trying to hurt me. But he's saying what you can do is love them the way I want you to love them. Just unconditionally, obediently love them. And then there's eros, which the Bible doesn't talk about, um, which is the, the sexual love, okay? And then there is uh, storge, which is a, a family love, a, a devotion that we have within family, the way a mother loves a daughter and the way a father loves a son and the way grandparents love their grandchildren. And the only reason I'm pointing these out very quickly is because um, the text changes words as the conversation is taking place. The first time Jesus is saying to him, Simon, do you agape me more than these? So there's this comparison. Do you love me unconditionally more than you love these? And so he's, he's asking the question agape. Peter replies, phileo. He says, yes, Lord, I love you. I love you as a friend. I have an attachment to you. There's a, an emotional connection between us. But I don't think Peter at that moment would dare say, I love you completely unconditionally based on the fact that I just denied you three times. So then Jesus brings it up a little bit. Okay, let's not compare me to them. He says, do you agape me? Just me. Do you just love me that way? Peter gives him the same reply. I love you like a friend. So then, through the grace, Jesus brings it down one more level and goes, okay, so do you love me as a friend? And that just broke Peter's heart that he asked him a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I do. The Lord is willing to meet you where you are at to start the relationship. Yeah, it would be nice if we were all here, but you know what? He'll start with you right here. He'll start with you where you are at. Do you, do you love him at least as a friend? We can build on that. But how much do you love him? That question was kind of challenging to have to think about. To think about what is really going on in my heart. After what Jesus has done for me, how much do I love him? 
And as we, as we close, I want to put that challenge to each of you. It's also interesting that when Peter says, Lord, you know, he says, thou knoweth that I love thee. Second time he says, thou knoweth that I love thee. That word know in the Greek also changes. The first two times he says, Lord, you know the facts. You know the truth. And then that third time when he says, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knoweth that I love thee. He was saying, you know me relationally. You know me. So Jesus knew exactly where he was at. Listen, he wasn't asking him the question because he didn't know. Have you figured out yet that if Jesus asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer? He's asking to see what you think the answer is. He's asking to see how long is it going to take for us to get to the honest answer. <laughs> how much do you love him? I think it's amazing that the God of the universe that created the universe, created the stars, created galaxies that for all our technology we will never reach just because he could. <laughs> that that God inclines his ear to listen to you when you talk to him. When you pray. He's listening to you. He listens to your heart. He loves you. I said early on, I don't question his love for me. <laughs> I got enough proof and evidence in the scripture. I got enough proof and evidence in my word, in my life every day. I got enough proof and evidence just during the praise time today that he loves me. My question to ask you is, do you love him? Do you really know if you love him? Will you put that love on display outside of these walls? Because we had a good time here today. Boy, we were, whew, that was some good stuff. But tomorrow, uh, nah, let's back it up. This afternoon when you go home. <laughs> and the dinner's a little scorched. The socks still haven't been picked up three days later. Are we going to let the love of Christ show through our lives? A genuine love of Christ. One where he is more important than anything. Where he is greater than anything. Where nothing compares to him at all. Do you love him that much? Is he the thing you love best in your life? If not, ask him to help you get there today. If not, ask him, Lord, help me to love you the way you deserve love from me. Lord, help me. I believe, help my unbelief. I love, help where I'm not loving you the way I ought to be loving you. And then as I learn to love you, help me love others around me the way you want me to love them. My prayer is for all of you that your first day in heaven looks like that. 
where you have, there's so much bottled up inside of you that the moment you see Jesus, oh my goodness, you're just going to almost knock him over because you just want to hug him and have all that love expressed through that hug. Wouldn't that be awesome? How many of you are looking forward to that moment? Yeah. Yeah. Well, while we're waiting on the hug, you can start showing that love towards him right now. I'm going to ask uh, Sister Lori if she would come. Think about how many times he has said to you, I love you. Do you love me? I love you. Do you love me? He's not trying to pressure you to love him. He's not trying to bribe you. He's not trying to trick you. But boy, he has demonstrated his love for us in such an endless, abounding way. Do you love him? See, and here's the thing, folks. It's easy to do church. It's harder to truly and genuinely pour out your love towards God consistently because we do this once a week we can we can work ourselves up for this we can get ready for this we can get excited about this but oh my goodness in the morning tomorrow is there going to be an overflowing love in your heart David said my cup runs over is your love for God going to overflow your life because if it does it's going to make a difference in all the other relationships in your life it will if you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and you let that love of God overflow, it's going to touch every part of your existence. How much do you love him? Let's pray. Father, the question challenges us. Because we think we love you. Lord, I say in a lot of ways we do love you, but how unconditional and how true and how flowing and how uninhibited is that love towards you? Do we love you enough to embarrass ourselves around other people because of just the outpouring of our love for you? Lord, that's my prayer today. For me, that I would just love you and pour it out all the time. For, for everyone gathered here today, everyone listening to this under my voice, Lord, my prayer for them is that they make that connection so that that love is real and genuine and unending because you're worthy of that. You deserve that. We don't deserve what you've done for us, but thank you for your grace and your mercy. But Lord, you deserve 
to be loved. Help us to love you. Lord, if there's a life here today that hasn't surrendered, that's been withholding that love, Lord, give them that breakthrough that they would just pour it out today, that they would come running to the altar, that they would say, Lord, I love you. I love you because you first loved me. I love you because of how you have loved for me and what you did for me on the cross of Calvary. I love you. And I mean it in the bottom of my heart. Lord, thank you. in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me end with one last thought. Listen, right after Peter is invited by God to feed his sheep and he's restoring him, a few minutes after that, he stumbles again. Because Jesus tells him the manner in which he's going to die and he looks over at John again and he's like, well, what about him? I needed to add that because I don't want you discouraged that you think you've reached the place that I, I genuinely love you, Lord, and then the next day you're, you're back to doing crazy stuff again. I just want to encourage you to just keep pressing into him. Just keep pressing him to, into him. Like that prodigal father, he's, he's standing there just waiting to embrace you. Just love him.